Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. We have recently finished, as most of you, all of you know, a study in the book of James, where he directs his readers toward godly living. From beginning to end, the mood of his letter is authoritative. In, in other words, there are 108 verses in the five chapters. 54 of them are direct commands. Half of the letter is a direct command. I would call that somewhat authoritative, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> now, often throughout our time in James, some of you would express to me th- the conviction that you experienced from what James had written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course. Some may have felt a little beat up. I heard that as well, and maybe were even beating themselves up as a result. Here's what we need to know and understand. That James's reason and purpose for writing the letter was not to condemn. It was to encourage. It was not to put down, but to build up. And the way to encouragement and the way to being built up in the faith, as we have seen time and time again throughout God's word, is to die to ourselves, to be alive in Christ, and to let go of having to have our way and to embrace God's way of doing life. And so today we're going to be talking about one of the foundational benefits of having a relationship with God, which I thought would be good coming out of the book of James, and that that benefit is simply this, assurance. Assurance. This world is full of uncertainties. Would you agree with that? And that that almost would seem like a full of uncertainties. In the midst of all the uncertainty of life, There is one thing that we can be sure of, that we are and can be rock solid, that we are safe in the arms and in the hands of our God. Hallelujah. Amen to that. Your destiny is in the hands of a loving father who is a good father, who is a good father and who has recorded your name in the book of life with the Lamb's blood. And what's more, God has promised that we can approach this uncertain future with an absolute sense of assurance in Him. The problem, though, for far too many believers is this truth they know about, but fail to live out. One thing I have noticed over the years is no matter where people are geographically, no matter where they are on the socioeconomic scale, they tend to ask the same question. How can I know where I stand with God? How can I know if I am on the right track? How can I be sure? Today we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to that fifth chapter of 1 John, which is a passage that deals with these questions I've just thrown out there. It also contains a key verse 
that I want us to zero in on tonight. This message is keen on this verse, which is found in that fifth chapter, verse 13, which says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Some may say, I've done a lot of things wrong in my life. And sometimes I just don't feel forgiven. I would like to know just where I stand with God. Others may say, hey, I've been in church for most of my life, and I've never been sure. I want to get this nailed down. Well, this passage can help you find that kind of assurance. These scriptures will help you to know that you know because of what God says, not because of your feelings, but because of what God says. So in verse 9, that's where we'll begin, James tells us to do something very important, and it is this, identify the reason for not being sure. Look at verse 9 with me. He says, we accept human testimony but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given us about his son. We've all heard that God loves us, right? We've all heard that our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. The majority of people here today have already made the decision to follow him, if not all of you. So why do some people feel uncertain about where they stand spiritually? We feel uncertain. Now, there could be several reasons, but for sure one of them would be because we tend to place our faith and our hope in all of the wrong things and in all of the wrong places. This is what John is talking about in verse 9. He's saying, in effect, if we're willing to believe what we humans say to each other, how much more should we believe what God says? Since God is so much more reliable than any of us in this room, amen? <laughs> You're all so reliable, but God, how, <laughs> how much more? <laughs> See, according to Jewish law, the testimony of one person was not a valid witness. Truth or validity had to be established by two or three witnesses. As seen in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, also Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 15, Jesus even addressed it in John chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. So John, in keeping with the Deuteronomy command, sets up what he says here in verse 9 with what he said earlier. We haven't looked at it, but we are do right now in verses 6 through 8. Now look at these verses with me. Verse 6 says, This is the one who came by water and blood. Remember now, this is Jesus' testimony, or God's testimony, which we are to rely upon. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. 
The water refers to Jesus' baptism, where you will recall the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descended. So there's the Spirit. A voice is heard, the Father speaking, this is my Son, right? Now the blood represents and speaks to the, the, the crucifixion, where Jesus came and did what the Father had sent his Son to do, right? In order for us that we might have the forgiveness of sins and in eternal life. Consequently, John says that if they believe testimony from people, then surely they can rely on this threefold witness by God himself. Are you with me? The problem, however, is once again that when we're faced with the choice, some of us choose to believe the words of people rather than the word of God. We choose to believe the world's wisdom rather than God's wisdom, especially in matters of the Christian faith. I've heard people say, it's not fair that Christianity should claim to be the one true religion and claim that all other religions are wrong. What about all the people who live in Muslim countries or communist countries or in the remote regions of Africa or Asia? How many have heard that argument? These people may never hear about Jesus. Will he, referring to God, condemn them to hell simply because they didn't have a chance to hear? They continue on with that kind of thinking and philosophy. Certainly God must judge us on our character. Whether or not we are faithful to our own personal value system. Red flag, red flag, right? You see, here's the deal. Here's the problem with this philosophy. It is that it places the burden of salvation on us instead of God. We have to be good enough to earn God's acceptance. Excluding all of you, of course, I've yet to met any, meet anyone <laughs> who meets the criteria of being good enough. Present company ex included. When you put your faith and hope in yourself. On good days, you'll feel optimistic about your chances. <laughs> and on bad days, you will feel pessimistic about your chances. But isn't it interesting, Neither, no matter what, whatever way you are going, you still are unsure about where you stand. That's the problem. And I think the reason some believers struggle with not being sure is simply because their hope is built on themselves. And they're never able to measure up. Some think one of these days I'll be good enough. And then I'll know that God loves me. It will never happen. As long as they place their hope in themselves rather than in God upon what people say instead of what God says, they will always lack the assurance that provides. Amen. You may feel like you've been so out of it 
You may feel dirty and unworthy and useless, but be encouraged because no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, you still have the utmost value to God. Amen. We do serve a good God, don't we? Another evidence of this, another mistake I think that we make is that we put our faith in the church instead of in God. In other words, in people instead of in God. The, obviously, this doesn't work either. The church is a, obviously a vital part of, the Christ, of our Christianity, but it is never to take the place that only God can have in our lives and in our hearts, correct? Yes, it is the bride of Christ, no question about it. But please note, it is not Christ. Correct? The church is made up of imperfect people who will inevitably disappoint you. God won't. He can't because he is the promise-making, promise-keeping God. If you're looking for a church where things are done exactly the way you think they should be done, well, good luck with that is what I like to say because you're not ever going to find it. If you're uncertain about where you stand with God, you need to ask yourself, where am I placing my faith and my hope? Government, particular political candidate, yourself, the church, none of these will work because you're putting your faith and your hope in all of the wrong things. So what can be done to establish or in many cases, reestablish assurance in your relationship with God. John says you can refer back to step one. Step one is found in verse one. Look at that with me. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. That's where the Christian life begins. This is the foundation of our relationship with God, and it never changes. Now, notice what John writes, picking it up at verse 3. He says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Don't you just love that? For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This belief isn't just talked about. It is lived out. Let's be sure we don't get caught up in thinking that we can talk our way to heaven. We must walk our way there. Amen. I like these verses because of what they emphasize. Meaning our loving and obeying our God. So key. So important. John goes on to say in verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar 
because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. That's the essence of our faith. Is it not? We have life in Jesus. He is our source. If you want assurance, if you want to know that you are right with God, look no further than Jesus. Let me share something with you that Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. He says, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then dropping down to verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteous, as the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone. Listen now, church. But also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins, raised to life for our justification. Referring back to step one requires two things. First of all, it requires repentance. Did you notice what John was saying in that 10th verse? Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar. That sounds like something I don't want to be a part of. How about you? But if there had been some kind of wavering, some kind of unbelief, some kind of placing your faith and hope in anything other than God, then there's, John is saying then you, there, there needs to be repentance. You need to repent of that. We need to come to God in repentance, saying, God, I haven't trusted you like I should. I have put my faith and hope in the wrong things instead of in you and in your mercy. Forgive me for trying to earn what cannot be earned. Forgive me for trying to earn what you have given freely in your son. Forgive me. Secondly, referring back to step one, also involves remembering that faith is a choice. It's not a feeling. You can't always choose which direction your feelings are going to go, but you can choose the direction that your faith can go. Amen? To experience assurance, we must make the determined choice that we will believe God, not our feelings, not what the world says or anything else. And so what does God say? Well, let's look at verses 11 and 12 now. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Like the old hymn that we sang a moment ago, 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. There's tons of truth in that old hymn, amen? Jesus is our foundation. He is our hope. We have assurance because of who he is, not because of who we are. Wow. Jesus, therefore, is our only hope. If you want to be locked in with assurance, there's one more thing that John says that we could do, and that is simply this, shore up the foundation of truth. Look at verse 13 once again with me. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John's purpose in writing this letter was to shore up the assurance of his readers. His letter is all about the certainty of uncertain world. And like I said earlier, becoming more and more uncertain, it seems to me. You may find it interesting that the word know is a key word throughout this book. Chapter 2, verse 3, we know that we have come to know him. Chapter 2, verse 5, we know that we are in him. Chapter 3, verse 2, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Chapter 3, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life. Chapter 3, verse 19, we know that we belong to the truth. Chapter 3, verse 24, we know that God lives in us. Chapter 4, verse 13, we know that we live in him and he is in us. Chapter 5, verse 15, we know that God hears us. And chapter 5, verse 19, we know that we are the children of God. These are the shoring up elements of our faith. In fact, all of Scripture serves this purpose. If you want to experience assurance in this life, spend time. Spend time in God's Word. This leads us to a tremendous sense of gratitude that causes us to want to love Him and trust Him and obey Him. The word helps us to remember that salvation is a free gift of God. Salvation is not the result of our obedience. Obedience is the result of our experiencing salvation. Never forget that. Now, once in a great while, maybe you experience this. Probably like you, know, like you, you I'll be driving somewhere, doing my best to follow the directions to get where I'm wanting to go. But every now and then I begin to wonder and doubt, am I still on track, the right track? Did I make a wrong turn? Did I miss a turn somewhere? 
Then sure enough, about the time I began to have those kinds of thoughts, I would see a road sign or something letting me know that I was on track. <laughs> I'm always so grateful for those bits of assurance along the way. God has given us the same kind of reminder for our faith journey. His word shores up and reinforces us along the way. Therefore, we need to spend time, like I've been saying, in his word. We could spend a lot of time talking about the things in this life that we can never be sure of, such as our health, our finances, or careers. These, these can change in an instant. We know that. There's one thing that will never change. One thing you can be absolutely sure of, no matter what happens. You can be sure of your relationship with God. You can be sure of where you stand with Him. Even in those times where you might be feeling a little convicted and a little beat up, you can be sure. You can know that you have eternal life. You can know that you are forgiven and you can be sure that God wants you to be sure. Stop trusting in yourself. Start trusting fully in Him. Stop trusting in your pseudo-goodness and start trusting in His righteousness. Came across a story some time back it was simply titled, The Little League Coach. It reads like this. Our Little League coach had a picnic for the team at the beginning of the season. After we ate hot dogs and hamburgers, he gave us a pep talk. How many of you have a dream to one day play in the major leagues? He asked. Almost every hand shot up. Every kid believed he could do it. You could see it in their eyes. If that is to happen, that dream begins now, the coach said. We were so inspired that we practiced hard and played hard and went undefeated for the next few years. Years later, when I became a coach, I brought my kids together to give them that same pep talk. But when I asked, how many of you have a dream to one day play in the major leagues? Not one hand was raised. Not one kid believed he could do it. I was speechless. The rest of my talk was meaningless. So I said, really? Nobody? Well, then let's just grab our gloves and start throwing the ball and warming up. The story ended with these words. I thought about that day for a long time. What had happened? In the 25 years since I was a kid, what had come into their lives to steal their dreams? What had convinced them they would never be more than what they were. 
I am so thankful because of the cross of Jesus. We already are. What our hearts have always longed for. We are His and are therefore holy and blameless and in good standing with our King. Some might actually call that blessed assurance. Father, we come before you this evening and I just felt led by your spirit to um, share this message tonight just as a, not as something that was necessarily in um, educational or something that um, we weren't aware of. I'm pretty sure everyone in this room is familiar and aware of what's involved with salvation, but I just wanted them to be encouraged once again by your word. I just want us all, Lord, to be encouraged because I, I've been sensing lately just a, a sense of weariness upon many. The problem with that weariness, if it is not dealt with properly with God, it, be, it becomes just perfect for the enemy to attack. May we be encouraged in you. May we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are in good standing with our King, that we can indeed be sure of where we are with you. And we do have an assurance that you have provided. And I think when we really come to the place where we fully embrace that, it changes everything and in how we live and display you and reveal you in this world that is full of uncertainty. May it be so in our lives, Lord, for I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.